the Colby Daniels Podcast. We have finally reached NBA Draft Lottery Day. Tonight at 7.30, the Oklahoma City Thunder finds out if they botched their fate early on in the regular season or if the final tankathon down the stretch of the NBA regular season pays off. By the way, from 7 to 8 tonight, I will be broadcasting live from Chalk in Chisholm Creek, reacting to everything that goes down. Will the Thunder land the number one overall pick? Will they end up with the Houston Rockets lottery pick? We already know they acquired the 16th pick in the Kimball Walker-Al Horford trade, so a lot to be hashed out tonight. And again, join us at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. The atmosphere is electric televisions everywhere it's just a great place to watch sports and certainly a great place to be around other fans cheering your team on i am colby daniels along with eric g today eric what is happening there has been a major oversight by sam Presti in the oklahoma city thunder it has time to be corrected but there is a major sense of urgency and they must act now they must act within the time that Sam Presti first hears this podcast because we know he listens. Sam, are you listening to me? I love Nazi Muhammad. I think Nazi Muhammad was great <laughs> when he was here with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think he is a fabulous representative for your organization when you have to go into boardrooms and you have to meet with people and you're trying to make sure that you're trying to let people know that the Thunder are not just a progressive organization, but the Thunder are a very active and passionate organization about being progressive. All that works. But if you want a true representative, there's only one guy to get, and that's Thundor. Why do we not have Thund- – why is Thundor in his mass and shirtless glory not going to be the guy representing Oklahoma City tonight at the draft? That's what I wanted to see, Thundor, mass, megaphone, shirtless, cape and all – but instead, I get Nazi Muhammad. So, you know, I, get, I guess I just have to live with that. What is uh, what is Thundor's sidekick's name? Oh, I didn't realize he had a sidekick. I thought it was, I thought Thundor was a solo act. Well, there's I always the is, – is, is it like Thunder Girl? It's, it, there's, uh, there's like a girl that, that is usually right there <laughs> next to him. I don't know if they're like actually together or if like they just have each individually – taken on this uh this role and then they're they're kind of in the same place but uh yeah there's uh there's also a a sidekick oh wow i see i thought he was like deadpool and kind of worked alone (laughs) um and maybe very begrudgingly had sidekicks glom on to calm him down every, every every once in a while but i don't know you could have thunder and the sidekick you could have rumble the bison up there Rumble playing drums. If he, if he had the old Rumble, he could have set up his, his drum kit. Um, but, uh, no, Nazi Muhammad will be – Nazi Muhammad, in, in all honesty, will be great. But I hope he's learned the lesson that facial expressions tell the whole story. So if the Thunder only end up with the number seven pick, which I think I read today, that that's the lowest they can drop if they're not in the top four because five below goes in an in, inverted order. Eight. Eight is their if lowest what, pick. Oh, eight is their lowest. All right. Yeah. So if they if, if they hit an eight, I need to see that look of, you know, that, that you know, maybe it's okay. You know, eight's not bad, but, you know, there, there needs to be that look like it hurts. 
Eight would be and catastrophic, get- Eric. What are you talking about? Not bad. If they end up with the number eight <laughs> pick after the season we just suffered through, Nazi Muhammad better stand up on a desk and smash a chair over somebody's head. See, all right. Now, see, you, you've got the right idea. See, I, what I was thinking of is you still got to show confidence in your organization that they know how to judge talent and they know how to bring the right guys in who can get this thing turned around and that, yes, even with eight, with eight, 16, or what is it, 18, we've got these three picks here. We're going to turn them into something, but we didn't get number one, so it still kind of stings, and we're not going to have Cade Cunningham or the kid from Gonzaga or Mobley out of USC. So, yeah, it still hurts, but we've got everything under control. Um, I think the biggest loss tonight in the NBA draft, without a doubt, is the fact that the Atlanta Hawks aren't in it because that means no Jamie Gertz. No, no Jamie Gertz at the lottery, which I think if Adam Silver could do one thing, one thing as commissioner is make it mandatory that Jamie Gertz be at every lottery regardless of what the Hawks' position is in the draft. That that's something I can I can get behind, and it's something I'm all for. I'm just I'm promoting it now, Adam. Jamie Gertz, every lottery. Fair enough. For those of us that that grew up in the '80s watching Square Pegs and Less Than Zero, we still have a crush on Jamie Jamie Gertz. Lost Boys, right? Yes, yes, she was in Lost Boys. I keep I keep forgetting that. I keep it because I'll, like, I'll freely admit, I watched the Gilmore Girls with, with my wife. So the guy that plays Lorelai's father was also in Lost Boys. And every time I see him in the Gilmore Girls, I just expect him to immediately turn into a vampire and, you know, break down and, and, and eat, the, you know, tell, tell the family, hey, this was all an evil plot. It, it never happened. Um, somewhat disappointing. But yeah, you, you, you live and you learn. I just pulled up the IMDb. Apparently, she was in Entourage as well, which I've seen every episode of, but I, I, for some reason, don't remember her. When was she in Entourage? Apparently, recurring role, five episodes. Wow, Jamie Gertz. Huh. I was not aware of that. I was not either. There were so many other people in uh, I'll, I mean, obviously, her biggest role was Twister, right? That's what everyone in Oklahoma knows. Her for sure, correct? yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm interested to see how this turns out. I don't I don't see the Thunder getting in the top. I mean, look, it, it's all based on a combination of balls. I don't think people understand how the lottery works. lottery works. It's not just your ball happens to pop up and that's the order you're in. There's a common – everybody has this weird combination of balls that they're assigned. And in order for you to get the number one pick, that specific combination has has to get pulled up. Or right. at least that's the way I, I read it. So the whole point of the lottery is to discourage the Thunder from doing what they did this year. However, it, does, it, it doesn't seem to be working. The, the NBA has lost that battle a long time ago. And I wonder if, I mean, would the NBA just be better off if they went and did it like the NFL and said, all right, you know, team with the worst record gets the number one pick and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just do that versus do a lottery because, as we've seen, y'all are all willing to tank. Y'all are all willing to blow the season for the chance, not the guarantee, the chance of, 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 getting, the, of, getting, the, of getting the number one pick. 
And I know that's not what the NBA wants. What the NBA wants is for you as an organization to do your best, put a competitive product on the floor night in, night out, and give the fans some reason to watch on TV or some reason to go to the arena. But GMs and owners have figured out, well, hey, if we suck, we can we can at least try and build through the draft. And like you said, if, if, if the Thunder end up eight after the season that we've had this year, and they can't take eight and 16 and, and the 18th pick and, and Kimball Walker and figure out how to package them for something, it's just going to kind of feel like this year was all for naught. I mean, especially if there's if there's another two years of of struggling after this, it, it's really going to feel like this season was a complete waste of time. Yeah, I, I'm with you completely. Um, eight, there is a 2.4% chance, Eric, that uh, the Thunder land in the eighth spot tonight. 2.4%. Um, I'll give you the percentages real quick. Speaking of the lottery and the the, the lack of a guarantee, so if there is an 11.5% chance they get the number one pick, 11.4 for the number two pick, 11.2 for the number three pick, and 11% for the number four pick, 7.4% for the number five pick, 27.1% for the number six pick, 18% for the number seven pick, and 2.4% for the number eight pick. Well, so the I mean, odds like say, the odds. yeah, six or seven is the most likely scenario. I think that there are, to me, there are four players that are in a tier above the rest. So I think like it's got to be a, a top four for the Thunder tonight. Or anything else I think is just catastrophic. You know, I, I would agree with that, however. Uh, the, the whole thing about cat, the whole thing about catastrophic. All right, and I know I just said I'm just sort of doing a 180 on everything that I just said. But think about this for a second. You're in the top ten. You've got two late picks and Kimball Walker. You can do something with that, even that if it doesn't get you in the top ten. There has got to be some team out there that sees value. In, in, in Kimball Walker right now, without without him having to go through the the thunder re, the thunder rehab season like Chris Paul and and Al Horford did, if you can trade, I mean, do the Lakers value Kimball Walker? If they do, can you get a, a Taylor Horton Tucker? Can you get a Kyle Kuzma um, for for a guy like Kimball Walker? Kuzma maybe maybe a stretch, but. Hey, here's Kimball Walker and a couple couple of draft picks. Give us one of your veteran players. I don't even know if the Lakers are a team whose door you want to go knock on. Um, but the, what about the Nets? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could have Kimba and Kyrie on the same team, or I guess you could, which would be interesting. But would Kimba be willing to come off the bench? And for the Nets, are you willing to take a chance on somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie, who was hurt this year? who could add to you. I don't know how much of a difference maker he would be, but I think that's what, if you fall out of eight, your next plan, instead of trying to build through the draft, should be looking to get as much value for those picks as you can with veteran players, which puts you in position to compete for that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 slot this next year and give fans 
a reason to hope to think that maybe the next three years you're going to at least be competing for playoff position. I disagree completely. Actually, I, I don't. I don't think you. Okay. I don't think you veer off course whatsoever. I think the only way you're going to be successful in Oklahoma City is to build through the draft. So even if you lose tonight, I think the game plan is the same. I think you're still looking to move Kimba Walker, not for experienced players, but for more draft assets. Because here's here's what. My initial thought was last week when they traded for Kimball Walker and the number 16 pick, they're adding more assets to the arsenal in case things don't go their way tonight to potentially move up. So let's say, for example, the Thunder end up with the eighth pick tonight and they, they're left out of that top four or top two. I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, obviously they would love to have the number one pick, but I don't know where they're kind of threshold is as far as like where they want to be and what position they feel like they can still get a great player versus you know getting a guy they're not as sure about for me that number is top four maybe for them it's it's top three or maybe it's top five I I don't know but let's just say for example it's worst case scenario and the 2.4 percent chance of landing the number eight pick actually happens you acquired that number 16 pick you're probably going to have the number 18 pick so those three picks combined, you use to move up and get the guy that you actually want. Like, there's a point system attached to these these NBA draft picks and what they're worth in, in trying to determine, like, is a trade from a value standpoint the right value? If you add together the number eight pick, the number 16 pick, and the number 18 pick, that equals the number one pick. Now, that doesn't mean that the team that has the number one pick in the draft is going to make that trade. It just means that you have equal value to present an offer that's not going to be offensive. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm looking at all the teams that potentially have that, that number one pick right now. Um, and, and Cade Cunningham is, is the prize value in this draft. And I love Cade Cunningham. I absolutely think that he is going to be, I think he's going to be an NBA all-star. Um, superstar, all-star. Maybe you're, 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 you're talking semantics here, but I don't know if Cade Cunningham is ever going to fall into that. Um, and, and I know you're kind of comparing apples to oranges here, but that Kevin Durant, LeBron James, um, Kobe Bryant, you know, type category. I mean, is Chris Paul considered a superstar? I think he could probably be as good as Chris Paul is, um, you know, at, at some point in his career. But do any of these people look at Cade Cunningham and see his value and don't see his value as being that great, be it Toronto, Cleveland, Orlando, um, Charlotte, or I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all who all could be in the lottery, New Orleans. Sacramento, I would think Houston wouldn't. I would think if Houston had the number one overall pick, they're not going to trade with Oklahoma. They're not going to trade with Oklahoma City. But could you talk Sacramento out of taking Cade Cunningham if they had the number one pick? I think you could because they've got a guy. They've got De'Aaron Fox. They've got a guy like yeah. yeah. Um, I think Cleveland is in that that category as well because they've got. I mean, their issue is they have two point guards, right, with Darius Garland and, and Colin Sexton. Okay, so but here's the question with Cleveland. Kate Cunningham is better than both of those guys, For right? Sure. Or at least we assume that he's better than both those guys. Would you as Oklahoma City be willing to take either one of those two cats for that bounty that, that, that you would be – I mean, would, would you be willing to trade 
Because I would think that Kimba, all right, let's say Cleveland gets the number one pick. Ooh, I, now I'm playing, now I'm, now I'm playing faux GM here. Um, cause now, now I love this. All right, I'm Cleveland. I get the number one pick. I am going to take Kate Cunningham because I know he's better than the two guys I got. And I always draft talent over position. Like that, just, that is my thing. Even if I've got a, a good, solid power forward, if the best player there is a power forward, and I can't trade down, I'm going to go ahead and take him and figure out what to do because I want the better player. So I'm going to take Kate Cunningham. Well, now I got to do something with Garland for sure, and maybe Sexton. Do I go to Oklahoma City and say, "Look, we'll take Kimball Walker off your hands"? And that 16th pick you just traded, uh, you just traded for with with Boston, and then we'll give you Sexton for him. Sexton was a high draft pick. I don't think he has reached his potential. And I'll admit, I was an idiot. I thought going into the draft, he might be more re- he might be more NBA ready than Trey Young because he seemed to be having a much better end his college career than Trey Young did. Well, and he seemed more physically was, prepared for the NBA than Trey did at the time, for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, Trey Young's only got his team in, in the Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> right. now, and, you know, Sexton has struggled to find his footing. But is a guy like Sexton, who, I mean, again, contract is less, and you've got to figure out a way to trade contract for contract, so I don't know what all Cleveland would have to do to make it worse, but would you take Sexton, if you could get him, oh, without a doubt, I, that's a no-brainer for for what you just threw out there. Absolutely, I, I think that would be a home run if you could make that deal happen. I don't know why Cleveland would want to do that deal. Um, you're you're trading out one point guard to add another. You're getting a mid-first round pick that's gonna. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't necessarily like look at the number sixteen pick and think I'm definitely getting somebody that's going to help there. It Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, Kimball Walker is owed $36 million this year, 37 next year. Uh, he's not necessarily part of the future as far as the, uh, the build that you're trying to perform. And he plays, again, but- the same position that you currently have a logjam at. So maybe he can be the mentor for Cade Cunningham for a couple years, and there then you, 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 you move exact- him. But- that's a huge. Yeah, if if, exactly if I'm Sam Presti thinking. and that offers on the table, I I say yes immediately. So, and that's what I was thinking if I'm Cleveland. I bring in Kimba to be that guy there to teach to teach Kate Cunningham kind of how to take control of a, of an NBA locker room. I bring him in to play that Chris Paul role to teach him how to be not just a professional but a leader. And it may not take a year for Kate Cunningham to pick up on this. And if I'm Cleveland, I still look at Kimball Walker as a valuable asset where somebody like the Knicks, maybe even the Bucks, um, I don't know about the, the Mavericks need him, um, but there's got to be somebody, Portland maybe, who would see value in him as, as a sixth man as, as, they try and, as they try and get over that hump. And then I could not only deal him to that team, but I can take a page out of Sam Presti's book again and try and get more assets for Kimball Walker. So it's just getting him is that is basically it's just hey come in teach this guy 
when we feel like you, you're, you've got him to where we need him, that we promise we will do everything we can to get you, a, get you to a contender. And then that's how you spin it. And for Kimball Walker, that's kind of the, the faith that he needs to accept now is that he's unfortunately never going to get the opportunity to stick with one team. He's going to get passed around like a joint. <laughs> over the over the next couple of seasons in the NBA, it, lo- it looks like, and I would imagine yeah. that Oklahoma City's just the first of a couple of teams we'll see Kimball Walker with in the next in, in the next couple of years. Yeah, and and look, the the great thing about the Kimball Walker situation is obviously with the money he's owed, it's not it's not going to be the easiest contract to move. But if you if if you can't find the right deal to move him. It's not a bad thing to put him in a Thunder uniform and let him perform for your fan base because you're, you're giving them an all-star caliber player. I don't think he's going to be so good that uh, it just, you know, it, it like puts you in that, that NBA black hole where you're not really good enough to make the playoffs, but you're also not bad enough to um, hit a home run in the, in the NBA lottery. So I think it gives you a player that's easy to root for, that will perform on a nightly basis. And then I think we're also talking about probably a Chris Paul type situation. He comes in here and he was such a bad fit in Boston. He's only 31 years old, but he was such a bad fit in Boston. I think people forget how good the guy actually is. He might score 25 plus if he's playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think you're talking about a guy that steps in, kind of takes on that leadership role immediately as the best player on the team, uh, puts up big scoring numbers, raises his his trade value, and then once again, the Thunder able to move him for a lot more than anybody anticipated out of the gate. Well, and, and that, that seems to be Sam Presti's luck. I mean, same thing with Chris Paul, same thing with Al Horford. It's that year. It, it's, taking the, it's taking damaged goods, rehabbing them for a year, and then shipping them off, which is, you know, not to disagree with, with Barry Trammell, um, and I think his assessment of Kimball Walker was very good about him being ball dominant, and he's not really the guy that's underneath right now, and how does he fit with Shea? I, one, I think when you sit down and you talk to Kimball Walker, you, you at Sam Preston, you, you need to take his temperature. You need to find out where he is mentally, where he is as a player, what ultimately are the, or, or, or the long-term goals. And not just generic goals. Not, uh, well, you know, I want to be part of a championship team, okay? Everybody wants to be part of a championship team. It's what kind of player do you want to be? I mean, do you want to continue to be this ball-dominant point guard a la Russell Westbrook, who's more of a scorer than a facilitator? Or do you want to change your game, become a, little, uh, a lot more like Chris Paul, who is, you know, a dying breed in, in your traditional type point guards. You know, what, what is the kind of player you want to be? How do you want how do you, What do you want the next five years of your career to be? As far as what kind of player do, you, what kind of player is Kimball Walker? What is that? And then see what he says, and then say, okay, we're going to do everything to make you that kind of player. I don't believe that a guy. You know, this whole idea that Tigers can't change their strike. Yeah, I mean, that's Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has a way that he's very comfortable playing, and you're not ever going to change that. But I don't believe that everybody is in that mold. And you bring in Kimba Walker and say, in, in order for you to be successful, here are the things we need you to do here. We need you to be this kind of player here. And then you find out if he's willing to be that kind of player or if there's something else. And if he says, look, I want to be the same same way I am, 
then you design the role for him to to succeed as he wants to be. Um, and, and I think I think that'd be a fascinating conversation. And he says, "Look, I'm just more comfortable being ball dominant. It may take me a while to break out of that, but I'm willing to kind of learn and work with Shea." I, you know, if you get a player willing to do that. And he and he says, "Look, I'm willing to to learn whatever role you want me to." That starts getting around the NBA, and all the negative feelings about Kimball Walker that people may have heard or that GMs may have, you know, discovered through guys they brought in that played with them or talking to other GMs or coaches or whatever. It's like, well, wait a second. You know, we heard he was this kind of stubborn ass who says, "I'm playing this way, and this is the way I know how to win." Well, apparently, he. he you know, broke in Oklahoma City and was willing to do this. Yeah, let's bring this guy in. That's the kind of guy we want in our locker room. And a lot of it's on him. I mean, the Thunder can't make him do it. It's really up to him to decide what he wants to be. And that'll be fascinating. And I never like, I never like the pigeonhole players like Ben Simmons. You know, everybody's just determined that Ben Simmons is lazy. He may be, but a change of scenery with that much talent and getting the right guy in his ear and, and letting him know, if you want to be successful, here are the four or five things you've got to do to improve your game. If not, you're going to be a washout. Yeah, you would have made a lot of money, but you're going to be the punchline of a lot of jokes. So here's how to do it. And he just needs to find that guy. Getting out of Philadelphia is going to do this, do that kid. An amazing, it'll do that kid's mental health so, so, so much, so much wonders. Um, God, I can't speak today. But I can't wait to see what happens when Ben Simmons gets out of Philadelphia. I'm, I'm totally rooting for that guy right now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's only 24 years old, so I'm not going to say he can't do it. But he's also been in the NBA long enough where I, I really wonder. I mean, is, I, I think we're kind of seeing who Ben Simmons is. I mean, if, if you haven't uh, even slightly improved to this point on the things that we were talking about four years ago, uh, I, I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. But um, – you're right. I mean, it's if Kimba does play here, it comes down to uh, him wanting to buy in, which I would imagine he would. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that uh, he was crazy about the situation in Boston, but I, I think he certainly understood the situation in Boston when you consider Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and the year that those guys had and, and how young they are. They're the future. Uh, so... Again, I think he probably wanted to be the guy, but understood the situation. In Oklahoma City, I think it would be a similar situation, understanding that Shea is the guy or the future. But I, I think he also sees an opportunity here where, or I would imagine he would see an opportunity, a lot like the Chris Paul thing, to be the guy when it's your turn, but also you know take on that, like, I'm, I'm here to make everybody better. And in turn, that's going to make me a more valuable commodity. So uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued as far as uh, there are some hypotheticals out there today. I don't know if you've seen these or not, or, or really I've seen these over the last few days. But the NBA rumor mill is one of those things that uh, just fascinates me because people throw out all kinds of crazy stuff all the time. Uh, the one that I've seen a lot, or the two that I've seen a lot the last few days involves Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson. I think we both agree that those are two guys that probably five years down the road are... Luka's there now. Zion's well on his way to being uh, one of the, the premier players in the NBA. It's reported that both guys aren't necessarily happy in their situation, uh, and maybe there's a, a, a slight door opening 
to obtain one of those guys' services, if not both. I mean, you know, who knows? Zion may may decide I'm going to play out my contract and and go elsewhere. I mean, it's it's a lot like the Kevin Durant situation when he was here, right? Like everybody just assumed like there's no way he's going to stay in Oklahoma City. He's going to go to a much bigger market. I think that's kind of where people are with the Luca and Zion thing. So I've seen it it thrown out. Whoever lands the number one pick in this draft should offer it to either the Pelicans or the Mavericks for those superstar players. If OKC lands the number one pick tonight, are you in favor of the Thunder trading the number one pick for Luka Doncic or Zion Williamson, or would you rather them yes. keep the pick, Hell. take Cade Cunningham, and basically secure your future for like eight years? No, I'd be way more in favor of getting Zion, or, or especially Luca, um, because Luca right now is in line for a supermax. Correct? No, I thought he was. I thought Luca. I thought Luca was in line for a supermax. Where did I hear the that? Supermax. They were talking about. I, I'm. I could be wrong, but I think the supermax can only happen on your second contract extension, right? Right. Well, but there there was talk that Luca was going to go ahead and agree to a supermax or something. I'll have to look that up. So now okay. if I put out wrong information and, and everybody's like, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" <laughs> um, especially Luca, if you could get if you could get him to agree to the supermax, I would jump all over that. Look, I love Kate Cunningham. I, again, I've said that again. Watching him play at OSU. He has all the things that I value from from an NBA player. Um, he's positionless. But by positionless, I mean most he can probably play three positions, right? I mean, he, I think it's a stretch to say he could play small fours. And I don't know if he shoots well enough consistently from NBA range to be a good small forward. I think he's a guy that you put in there in a pinch when you're going small if you've got just a really good ball handling point guard and some guy who's, you know, deadly for mid range and beyond to play your two and is a little bit more defensive minded. But I see Kate Cunningham as that combo to two one guy who can play defense, who can rebound, who can ball handling skills. I don't but I see a definite ceiling on him. And and I believe that that ceiling is that he'll be good at those two positions. Um, he's a guy that will be great in the starting lineup. He'll be good, you know, working with that two unit. Um, you can switch him depending on who you've got coming off the bench and what other combos are, are, are on the floor. Um, defensively, that's going to be the most interesting part of his game that, that, that he'll have, he'll have to work on in the NBA. He's going to get roasted more than a few times. Uh, during his rookie season in the NBA, but if he can he can nut up, and I don't expect him to be Lou Dort, but if he can be a, a good defensive player, then I think he'll be a potential all-star every year, whereas Luke is a guy I see going to the Hall of Fame. And if you've got an opportunity to get that guy in your organization, you never say no. Even if he's only here for a few years, you've got to go get a guy like Luka Doncic because it could be meaning the difference between being really good for let's say five to ten years and consistently making the playoffs or having a championship run and being able to hang a banner even if you're only good for say three or four years 
and then have to start the rebuilding process over again. Yeah. Because if you give you you give these fans a championship, then you're you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. They'll take that three or four in Oklahoma. They'll take the three or four year rebuilding process just to hang that banner. And Dodgers gives you a much better chance of doing that than Kate Cunningham does. By the way, we were both right in a sense because he's eligible for the rookie supermax. So, okay, there you go. What, okay, what is that? What what is, what, is, what is the rookie supermax? Uh, it would be a five-year, two hundred million dollar extension uh, for Luka Doncic, whereas the just the yeah. supermax is for a qualified player who has completed seven or eight years of service. So, yes, if you can get him to ink that deal, you make that trade all day, every day. How do you know if you can get him to ink the, ink the deal, though? That's that's the gamble. Like, would you trade that number one pick to bring in Luca for a season, in hopes that you can get him to do that deal? No. That now that now that is where I, I'm a little bit. You know that that that's where I I sort of put my foot down. I go to his agent. I, I, you have the talk with his agent, and you say we're we're willing to trade for him. We we know that he's unhappy in Dallas. We'll give him a home here. We think he'll like Oklahoma City. Here's why we think he'll like Oklahoma City. Um, you know, we think he'll you know him and Sam Presti will vibe. We think he'll like working with Mark Dagnall, who's you know who's a younger coach. He's a little bit less of a test mat, pass master than Rick Carlisle. Um, as you've seen, guys like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook have, have flourished here, and and you, we, I mean, you you sell that point of all the guys that have you know, the guys that have flourished in Oklahoma City, Serge Ibaka, James Harden. Look, we know how to treat our superstars, and if he's willing to sign the supermax, we'll make the deal right now and get him out of Dallas. But we got to know that, and if he's not willing to sign it, he's not willing to put pen to paper, then then we're not doing it. We'll we'll stick with Kate Cunningham and we'll we'll try and build from there. But you essentially you put the ultimatum in front of it. Yeah. So, I wouldn't take the risk. Yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't take the risk of just having him a year. Because then it's like what do you because you're probably just having him that first year, you're not gonna be good enough to win a championship. But year two or three you might and then at that point if you win the championship and you're looking at that contract thinking, okay you know, we need to, you know, cut salary or do whatever. He just won a championship. He'll be the most tradable guy in the NBA. Then you can make a deal. And I don't even think fans would – I think fans would be mad for about 24 hours. But then again, you come back to the building and there's a banner hanging up. Hey, we got you the banner. What more do you want? The guy's 22 years old. It doesn't matter what he's making. You keep him – I mean, you could have him on a 10-year deal. <laughs> Well, okay, so let me ask you this, and I'm going to change directions a little bit because I got into this conversation the other day. In a market like Oklahoma City, would we be better off now if Durant and Westbrook were still here, aging superstars, they had never won a championship, and let's say they had just got knocked out of the playoffs? Would we be better off with that, or would we be better off right now rebuilding with the hope that someday it's going to pay off with a championship. Better with that. I agree. Totally agree with Not you. Not even close. Yeah. I think when you've got those kind of players and they're willing to stay, they're, they're that caliber, you right. you ride them until the tank is on, until that tank is on, you know, until that gauge is on E. I mean, you, you just, <laughs> you, let, yeah. you let it go down as far as it can. Yeah. Because I, 
I, I think I'm a little bit different. I think fans talk a good game when they say they want a championship. What they really want is the opportunity to win a championship and to go to the arena every night knowing that there's a chance to yeah, win and absolutely. that they're going to see really good entertainment. And and look, for everybody that's yeah. different, there were people that thought with Russell Westbrook as your best player, that was possible. Um, I, ne- I didn't necessarily think that was the case. I mean, if you have Kevin Durant, I think that your team is capable of winning a championship. If Russell Westbrook's your best player, I, I, I don't necessarily think your team is capable of winning a championship. So uh, for, for, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on on whether or not your team is championship capable or not, depending on who your players are. But uh, yeah, I think that you're, you're exactly right. The goal is to show up to the arena on a nightly basis, looking at your roster saying this team could get it done. If, if the, if you, if we get the breaks, if we have no injuries, you know, if, if, if things go our way, we could win a championship. Yeah. And, and and I know that that's probably where Portland is with Damian Lillard right now. I'm anxious to see if – do you think Portland makes a move with Damian Lillard? They could. I mean, uh, he he wants to be there. Uh, they're, they're, they got rid of the of Stotts, so um, maybe they're going to give it one more run and, and see how it plays out. But, man, that team's just been so poorly built around Damian Lillard that uh, – it's, you know, I don't know. He's also kind of backed himself into a bit of a corner with uh, a lot of his statements about, uh, you know, being with one team and wanting to spend his entire career in one place and not joining super teams. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that he is extremely likable right now. And um, he's a massive star in the NBA. But he could get a little bit of the Kevin Durant type treatment if he, um, you know, were wearing a Lakers uniform next year, for example. What about Philly? What if he demanded to be traded to somebody like Philadelphia? Yeah, that probably isn't, uh, it's probably not as as much blowback on him if, if it were Philly, but there's still going to be some, just again, because of all the statements he, he's made uh, about, you know, staying in, in one place and, and earning it with, uh, you know, your team and, and blah, 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 blah. I don't need to revisit all of that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think people kind of view it as somebody needs to join him in Portland as opposed to him running from Portland to go somewhere else. Yeah, that, 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 I, I think that's kind of the way. And, and I think for Portland fans, I mean, it goes back to that, that whole deal with Oklahoma City. They'd rather have Damian Lillard there his entire career and never win a championship versus having him shipped off and then having to rebuild it and win it with, and win it with somebody else. Right. And I think that's, I think it's sometimes, I think it's something that talk show hosts miss. And sometimes I think former athletes miss when having that conversation is fans get attached to players. And as much as they want that championship, I don't know for fans if it means as much to them winning it. I mean, as a fan, do you really enjoy a championship when it's sort of rented? You know, when you go out, yes. you, you get a bunch of players. You, <laughs> all right, so you do like, 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 the, like, the, like the Florida Marlins did. I mean, that to me was the, the, that first championship that the Florida Marlins won was so hollow. It was like, okay, right. so yeah, you went out and got a bunch of guys, you won, and then you sold them off the next year. 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, when the Thunder, when the Thunder finally win one, I kind of want to see it from a standpoint of watching the team get built up to that point. I'd hate to think that just for a year, Clay Benson's going to just like, all right, I'm going to go so far over the luxury tax. I'm going to bring all these guys in. We're going to win the championship, and then we're going to sell them off the next year, which in the NBA, I guess you really can't do that. You're trading contract for contract. You're still going to be, yeah. you know, way over the yeah. luxury tax. You're just going to have bad high-paid players the next year after that. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think you're right. I think it's uh... – I mean, people want a championship, but there there's a faction of every fan base that, uh, like, there are Thunder fans that would have rather had Russell Westbrook just stay here for his entire career than, you know, the idea that you would move him because you want to try and build a championship-caliber team. So, yeah, there, there are definitely going to be those fans in, in every fan base. But, um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess for me, with Damian Lillard, like, I... I, I I'm not at the point with him where I can say you can't win a championship if he's your best player because I think you can. We've not seen him with... I mean, if C.J. McCollum's your second best player, you're not winning, period. Like, no no player in the NBA is winning a championship with C.J. McCollum as the next best player on a team. And that's not a knock against C.J. McCollum. He's a good player. It's just look at the best teams in the NBA right now and their second best players are top 10 caliber players. Kevin Durant, James Harden, both top 10 players. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, top 10 players. I mean, even with the Clippers, it's like Kawhi's a top 10. You can have the argument about Paul George. I don't I don't know if he's a top 10 player, but he's probably top 15. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, at one point, I would argue, at one point before he got hurt, I would have argued that Nurkic might be their second best player. On Portland. Which uh, which even validates my point further. <laughs> I mean, which I, Nurkic was a good, I think Nurkic was good. I don't think he was great. I mean, he was a guy that Steven Adams certainly had problems with because he could actually shoot. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and I honestly, I think that's the worst, that's the worst thing for Thunder fans. Um, about big men, I, I think Stephen Adams in a lot of ways made other big men look good. For as much as we love Stephen Adams, he made Nurkic uh, probably look better than what he was. He probably made Rudy Gobert look better than, than what he is. Um, okay, Jokic. Okay, Jokic is just flat out freaking good. I mean, the dude's the MVP. Um, so Stephen Adams or anybody else is going to look bad compared to him, but. You look at the way Portland is constructed right now, and Lillard Lillard's putting a lot of pressure on the organization to get it right here in the next few years, or he's going to leave. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you just go to some place that's, that's so loaded, like Kevin Durant did with Golden State, and it just seems like you've stacked the deck against every other team in the league, Nobody wants to see that other than the fans of those teams. They're cool with it, but when there's no competition involved, then it's it's absolutely no fun, no fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think, like, subconsciously, NBA fans in general kind of put players on these tiers, and the Tier 1 guys are the guys that we subconsciously think, like, are good enough to win a championship as the best player on a team. 
And I think when one of those guys decides to go join somebody else, that's when it's like, uh, I don't know about that move. But if you're like a tier two guy, there's not nearly the same repercussion because everybody's like, okay, he's a tier two guy. Like he wasn't going to get it done on his own in that market. Like he needs to go join somebody else because he as an individual player isn't like LeBron James or Kevin Durant. He's not like one of the elite players in the NBA. He's just one small step down. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, and that's the whole thing. I mean, all right. It, you can't win a, you can't win a championship with Russell Westbrook being your best player. But my question, all right. So you, so you say that, is there anybody you can put around Russell Westbrook that isn't as good as Kevin Durant and at least put yourself in position to play for a championship or is it, Strictly Russell's style of play that will prevent that from happening. I mean, if you put Russell with Kevin, then I think you you could, because Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. But I yeah. I don't know but how there, many other guys there are that you could pair Russell with that I would I would feel like that's a championship caliber team. Ooh, like okay, well we've already seen him with Paul George, um, right. and we know that that wasn't a championship Massive caliber failure. team. We saw him. Carmelo Anthony. Um, I don't. Think we've seen him with James. We, we've seen him with James Harden. Yeah, I mean, and that. God, that that was a catastrophe. The problem with, is, with him and Harden. most of the elite players, and Kevin Durant's kind of the exception here. Most of the elite players in the NBA are ball dominant players. So if you're pairing Russell Westbrook with another one of the elite guys in the NBA that we're kind of talking about here, where Russell's the the clear number two, then who has the ball in their hands? And then I think you're not getting the best of either player. No, you need a you need a Durant-type player, which is interesting because that's what Paul... I mean, Paul George theoretically should have worked. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony theoretically should have worked. Um, but you had two guys that were threes in the same offense, and Carmelo Anthony's not really comfortable playing, I, I, I guess, a power forward spot. But, I mean, the dude could stretch the floor. But, yeah, theoretically, that team should have worked and been a lot better than a lot better than what it is. Yeah, that um, team just had no toughness. I mean, period. They were just mentally weak, and, well, that was just a cluster. All year long, right? <laughs> like, that team kept telling us all yeah. year long, like, Oh, there's nothing to worry about. We're fine. We'll get it figured out. We'll get it figured out. Like, they literally said that for six months, and I'm at the front of the line, like, agreeing with them because I'm like, it's December. Don't get upset. Like, there's so much time. And the problem is they never did, and then they get to the playoffs, and they've been telling us, like, all these things that we're watching as potential issues, like, never get corrected. And then they're just they're they're mentally weak. The first time they face adversity, they crumble instead of rise to the occasion. And yeah, just absolutely Man. terrible. No, that that was that was one of those things where I mean, and you liked the guys every time you went in to talk to them. I mean, obviously, for the exception of Ross, you can be surly. Right, George and Carmelo were great. Like in Slovenia, you couldn't help but yeah. kind of like them and root for them and think that all right, you know, we saw this with the Heat. 
Uh, it, it took the Heat all year long to get their act together. Then when the playoffs rolled around, they steamrolled through the East. Now, they did lose to Dallas, but, you know, that was that was their first year. And, and Paul George kept saying, this is our first year of playing together. So, yes, yes, yes. And then, I mean, you find out that during that entire year, Carmelo Anthony was never happy. He didn't like playing his role. He didn't want to come off the bench. He was going to start. Um, he acted like he came to Oklahoma City almost unwillingly. It was like, fine, if I have to go, I'll go. And when the season was I, – I honestly, for as much as I like Carmelo, I think he was just very glad to have that season end. I think he wanted out of Oklahoma City as quickly as yeah. – yeah. Well, everybody, but apparently Paul George and, you know, Paul George was willing to re-up, which I still, to this day, kind of scratch my head over. It's like... Money, money, money. Yeah, but was that really his best option? Yes. I mean, I guess from a money standpoint, it was, because he got traded on that contract with Clippers. Right. So it totally worked out for him. It's like, I'll delay it a year. Whatever. I'll play here another year. Yeah. Cool will be good, but I I mean, can you win a championship with Damian Lillard as, as your best player? I mean, Philadelphia I think you with, can, if, yeah. he's, if, if he goes to Philadelphia is he their best player or is Embiid their, Embiid their best player? I think it's Lillard because I think he's the guy that's winning you games. When the game's on the line, who who do you want taking the shot? The, the answer is Damian Lillard. Um, so you, if he goes to Los Angeles, it's still LeBron James. LeBron's the best player, yeah. Uh, but again, like, there's nobody in the NBA that I want taking a game-winning shot over Damian Lillard right now. Like nobody, Steph Curry included. Like I love Steph Curry, but we've seen Damian Lillard be as clutch as anybody in the history of the NBA in big moments. Yeah, I'm a, I might say Kevin Grant, even though he, even though he, even though he missed that one, but dude, that was after playing yeah. 53 freaking minutes in that game and. 101 minutes, you know, in back-to-back games. I Kevin Durant's probably the guy I want taking the last shot now more than anyone because I always feel like it's going to go down. At worst, he'll have his toe on the line and give me a two. <laughs> and the only way he's not going to make that uh, – the only way he's not going to make that shot is because he's just dead tired from, car- from carrying the team and playing so many minutes. Actually – both teams were pretty worn out. Brooklyn, I didn't realize Brooklyn only played three players off the bench that night. That is just yeah. absolutely astounding. And they gave you know how many points they scored? None. Nobody off Brooklyn's bench scored a single point that night. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what more Kevin Durant could have done other than make that shot at the end, and he didn't, but I don't really think you can blame him for the reason that they lost as much as Oklahoma City fans want to. No, that that had nothing to do with Kevin Durant, but yeah. I mean, the argument for Durant over Damian Lillard in that scenario is just that he's going to get the shot off no matter where he is just because you can't defend him. Like, when he elevates to shoot, like, nobody can block his shot. But, I mean, Damian Lillard's just going to shoot from half court if you're going to, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it's either one of those guys not a bad option, but. Yeah, Damian Lillard is uh I mean if you if you have to respect him the same way that you respect like Kevin Durant when Harden and Kyrie are on the floor, imagine what he's doing or or think about when you know the the Warriors were rolling when they had all of their players 
and how deadly Steph and Clay were. Like, Damian Lillard's done an amazing job playing that offense as the guy, but you're not really respecting the rest of his teammates the way that uh, a lot of these other guys have kind of been in the same situation. So, uh, you put no, Damian Lillard no. around other great players where you can't just focus all of your attention on Damian Lillard. Uh, I, I That's a scary, scary situation. Yeah, I I would one hundred I would one hundred percent agree with that. Now the question becomes: I mean, is Donovan? Can you win a championship with Donovan Mitchell as your best player? For me, I'll say to be determined. I'm not going to rule it out yet, but uh, I'm not I'm not uh, convinced either. I, I don't know how I many. How much is him? I mean, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is, I think Rudy Gobert is a great regular season player. I don't know if Rudy Gobert is is a guy that can, that can step up in clutch moments in the playoffs when you need him to, whether it's to get a defensive stop or whether it's to make a play at the make a play or make a basket at the rim. I don't know if Gobert can be that guy, and the Jazz are committed to him for 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 quite a while now. Um, you know, banking on the fact that Tim and Mitchell are going to pull pull it together, and what's going to happen in Utah? I think they're going to find same thing as happened with the Thunder. They'll be good, they'll contend, but I don't ever see that team winning a championship. Yeah. The good thing is this uh, this draft tonight. I mean, the Thunder theoretically could hit number one, number five, and number sixteen. That would be the best-case scenario. The Thunder have the first pick, the fifth pick, the 16th pick, and then let's not forget, 35 and 36, I think, are really valuable picks because you're talking about the top of the second round where the contracts aren't guaranteed as opposed to having, like, pick number 30 and 31. Uh, and Or not 31, I think 30 is the last pick. But pick 29 and 30, those are guaranteed contracts because they're first-round contracts, whereas... A couple picks later, you're talking about the same caliber player, but, you know, you have more room to miss, right? Like, if, if that player doesn't hit, right. you're not stuck to him for four seasons. So, um, I I like that they kind of have that luxury there at the top of the second round where, you know, this is all about having as many darts to throw at the board as possible to hit that bullseye. Uh, but when you can have those darts that are in that, that area instead of, you know, a couple picks earlier where you don't have to pay the price for missing... Uh, that's that's a pretty nice position. Well, I mean, even you can even I think with those those second round guys, you can put them on two way contracts and let them play some time in the G League right. and you know figure out if you know they're going to be worth anything or not. And maybe you hit on maybe you hit on a loot door. I'm actually more interested. I mean, once it gets past the first round, I become less interested in who you take in the second as more as who you may end up signing as, as a free agent. Or who you may trade for, you know, if, if you swap second round picks like the, like the Thunder have those 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 get a little those get a little interesting because you're always wondering, you know, was there a hidden gem in there? And that's where GMs really make their reputation on. Wow, we found this guy off the stockpile, or he found this guy in the second round. He's you know he's just an excellent excellent judge of talent. I mean. Lou Dort wasn't a second rounder. He was a free agent signing. And look at that. I mean, look at how good he's made Sam Presti look over the last couple of seasons. Yep. Uh, 
Man, tonight's so massive in terms of the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, it's it's it takes so much luck, and you can do everything in your power like the Thunder did over the final couple months of the season to put yourself in the best position to have success. And look, that's that's not to say that they couldn't land the number eight pick and then find a Kawhi Leonard uh, or something like that. But I think as we all kind of look at this draft and see where the Thunder want to be, the eighth pick feels catastrophic. However... If you land one of those first couple picks, you know, you're talking about fans feeling completely different about the future of the organization after tonight. Because they're going to feel that they will feel in a way that they're either getting a superstar or the possible face of the organization that, that, that can, that can lead them. And I, you know, I'm, I, I still have my questions about Shea. And about Shay being the future of the uh, of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I don't think I'm as convinced of that as a, a lot of other people are. But I, you get that first or second pick, then all of a sudden, you know your your wheels start turning. It's like, all right, you got the you know second pick in the draft. We're gonna take Mobley, the second pick in the draft. Now all of a sudden, you start to see you start to at least get a sense of how the Thunder are going to build their team. That's probably the biggest thing you get out of it tonight if they land in one of those top three picks because those top three picks are pretty obvious, whether it's Cunningham, Suggs, or Mobley. You can start to kind of formulate what the Thunder may may look like next year. Eight? Eight? Now, it's not only catastrophic, but but you're, you're scratching your head, and that puts a hell of a lot of pressure on Sam Presby to figure out who – who needs to go where? Um, well, if they end up with eight, then the conversation over the next month becomes how high are the Thunder going to attempt to trade to? Because that's that's the point of having yeah. all these assets. Like, you know, everybody, like, somebody last week said something along the lines of, like, fans that are against the Thunder acquiring all these picks. And I'm like, who who is saying that? I, that doesn't even, like, I don't, I've not heard anybody say anything like that. But... If there, if there are people out there that don't understand why the Thunder would acquire all these picks because, obviously, you don't have a 53-man roster. You're not going to use all those picks on players. The reason is so you can trade up in drafts and get better players. Like, at some point, you have to use those assets, and you need to acquire as many as you can so you can put the right package together for a worst-case scenario like tonight. You land the number eight spot, and you're like, nope. This isn't going to work. I'm going to put together a package and trade away future picks so that I have the number four pick or the number three pick or the number two pick or wherever you ultimately want to go. Well, but the thing about the thing I kind of wonder is how many of those future draft picks do you really want to give away in order to move up to number four this particular year or number three this particular year? And that's where seeing the Thunder Big Board and talking to their scouts would be so helpful. I mean, and obviously they they never let you do this, never before the draft. I mean, they may throw out some – actually, they're probably more likely to throw you out misinformation. But I'd like to know what their grading system is for all the players in the draft. I'd like to know who they have as the number one pick on their, on their draft board if, in fact, it is Kate Cunningham. Because there is a chance that – Cade, they may not think that Cade Cunningham is the best player in this draft. They may have somebody else as the best player in this draft. Um, 
I'll be real honest and with you, man. I don't think the gap between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs is that drastic. Like, I, I know a lot of people... I'm not saying that I would take Jalen Suggs over Cade Cunningham, but to me, it's kind of a 1A, 1B type situation with those two guys. Yeah, I, I, I could see, I could see, I could see that. Um, but I'm kind of wondering in the, in this draft, is there somebody, is there somebody maybe that they see that, that it's like a, like, it's like a European guy. Like I'm starting, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, looking at the, you know, the top prospects now, like, let's say, I don't know, Jalen. Well, I mean, Jalen green, Jalen Suggs, but what if they think, um, uh, you know, this, um, this kid, that, this kid that uh, sporting news says is sick, um, who's, you know, playing in a European league, if they have done their homework and they graded him out the best and they know he's going to be like the number six overall pick, now it's like, all right, so now that is more likely of them being able to get that guy than it is necessarily them maybe being able to move up to get Kate Cunningham, which I know I just kind of talked in circles there, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things you get the big draft for, but if Cunningham is not the best guy, then can you trade up to get the guy that you that you think is the best player in this draft? And that's what I'd love to know. I'd love to know who they've got ranked number one. I and and whether or not the guy that they've got ranked number one overall, they feel could actually fall to them at eight if they were to get that pick. Or I mean, here's another scenario we haven't considered. You could always make it. You could always want somebody, and like say, say you've got Evan Mobley graded as the best player in this draft, and who's ever picking number two doesn't think that highly of it, and they've got somebody they want. They just don't want to pick him at number two, and they want him with that eight. So you know they want to pay him eight overall money, not you know two overall money, which I think right. is the rookie contract. They're not – now I think about it, I can't remember if the NBA are scaled like the NFL or not. But, you know, maybe they'll say, look, we want this guy. We, we've got him graded as the best player, so we know you've got Mobley. We'll take Mobley, and then we'll do a swap with whoever you pick at eight, plus you give us that 16 pick, and that may be absolutely worth it to the Thunder. Yeah. By the way, let's end it on this. Did you know that Nazi Muhammad isn't actually going to be there? He's going to be there virtually. Rumor. Were you aware of that? What? No. Because I, I was, was yeah, actually, I wasn't. I think he's actually going to be there. Why Why virtually? Is it still COVID restrictions? Are I, we, are they I guess. Still... I don't know. Maybe they're all going to be there virtually, but uh, if they really think he's lucky, they better get him on a plane. Fly him out there. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to see Clay Bennett go do that. Why, why doesn't Clay Bennett become more visual? Clay Bennett should go there <laughs> try and be the try and be the good luck charm. We know Elgin Baylor was terrible luck for the for the Clippers, and they just kept sending him out there. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you can start a GoFundMe in the next uh, two hours to get Thundor there in person. <laughs> 
Why do I need to doesn't Clay Bennett have a private plane? <laughs> I mean, actually, I mean, come on, the dude's gotta have a he's gotta have a Learjet. Come on, Clay. Let let Thundor use your Learjet. Let him go out there and be and be your good luck charm. <laughs> and I just I, and more than anything, I just want to see Thundor and full regalia, you know, interact with all these guys all these guys in suits. Just <laughs> Yeah. Just the awkwardness of it would, would be fantastic. That would make for great television. Yeah, no doubt. Eric, always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, we will catch up again next week and uh, do whatever uh, good luck uh, superstitions you have uh, before 7.30 tonight. I'm going to make a sacrifice to the basketball gods now. Nice, nice. Go sink some free throws in the driveway. <laughs> Oh, we're screwed then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a rebounder. I can't cheat. There you go. Eric G on the Colby Daniels podcast. Podcast is over.